What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. James chapter one. We're going to go into a couple of verses, and we'll we'll uh, get into get into the message today. <coughs> Starting in uh, verse six, James chapter one, verse six says, "But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone." Somebody say alone. Y'all ever seen that TV show Alone, where they're like out there in the woods? That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I just said the word, and my mind, my mind went there. It's so fun. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty. Is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's, that's a, kind of an all-encompassing word, anything. Not some, not a little bit, but they shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord because their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything that they do. Okay, let's go to, stay in James, but let's go a couple of chapters uh, further into chapter 4. And um, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. And it says in uh, chapter 4, verse 6, same book, book of James. It says, and he gives um, grace generously. Aren't you glad that God gives grace? Not like, "Here's, here's, here's a little bit. Here's, this is what you've earned for today, right? No, he doesn't do that. God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And I'm realizing that I actually wanted to read the verses before that. So let's back up a little bit. It's a Bible study, guys. You're going to be just fine. Everybody, Jacob, relax, okay? (laughs) Verse 4 is where we want to pick up right here. And it starts off kind of hard, but you're going to see where we're going. It says, you adulterers. Thank you, James, the author. He says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Like, that's, that's strong, right? Like, that's strong. But let's, let's allow ourselves to lean into this. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning when they say that the spirit God placed within us is filled with envy and he gives grace generously? As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Father, I thank you that, um, I thank you for your word. Um, Father, I thank you that, uh, that without it, we, we wouldn't know what to do. We might recognize that you exist, God, but we wouldn't know how to know you, how to follow you. We wouldn't know how to live this thing called life. We wouldn't know how to live an undivided life before you. Uh, Father, we pray that you would soften our hearts, open up our ears to hear, God. We want to we wanna grow today. We want to take one more step forward in our knowledge of who you are, but not just our knowledge, but in our relationship that we get to have with you. And so, Father, I pray today that we wouldn't allow anything to get in the way of what you're trying to communicate to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen. I want to tell you a quick story. When I was much younger, uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, I, uh, I angered a young lady once 
not my wife. Um, this was a, a different young lady from a different lifetime ago that once was a girlfriend. Yes, I know. Um, but here's the deal. So much so did I anger this individual that she grabbed a friend of hers who was also a mutual friend of mine. Remember that detail. And felt necessary to drive for three hours one way to let me know what five fingers said to the face. Do you know what I mean? Smack. <laughs> and I'm sure you want more details, but that's irrelevant to the rest of the story. Did I deserve it? That's none of your business. Um, but the problem with this story wasn't what happened there. The problem was with my friend that tagged along. And after I collected myself from this severe injustice that I received, that I may or may not have deserved, I look over to my friend, I'm like, what the heck? Where were, you're supposed, you're my friend. Where, why, why didn't you intervene? There was a three-hour drive where you could have convinced her to do something different, to turn around, or maybe just have a conversation. And her response was, I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I can't do anything because I'm, I'm your friend and I'm her friend. I'm stuck in the middle. I'm like, what are you, Switzerland? I'm like, what the heck? That really could have saved me quite a bit of, of problems. I look at her and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, friend or foe? Like, what are you? I can't really tell the difference right now because you find yourself stuck in the middle with friends like these who needs, yeah, you've heard that before. Um, honestly, I think if we were to do whether it's a self-check, sometimes it's easy to kind of do a caricature blanket check of like all Christianity, all the church. Well, why don't we just focus on ourselves for a second? I, I believe God is shouting the same question when he, when he looks at us and when he's, when he's trying to get our attention to draw our life in a direction that will be undivided before him. I think sometimes God is asking us the question, friend or foe? Like, like who are you? How are you living? It's actually the message title today as we continue to talk about hearing God. God has something to say today that he wants us to hear on this particular topic. It, it's, it's not, it's, this isn't anything new. Since the beginning of time, there has been a, a battle, a wrestling match in humanity between God's desire for us to be friends solely with him and our nature inside of us that wants to align with the world. Like, that's not new. That's not a, that's not, that didn't start in 2020. That's been happening ever since the beginning of time. Uh, but, but for me, in my own life, the greatest failures I have had myself is when I thought I was being friends with both, but what I was actually doing is I was being an enemy of God. I didn't wake up one day and just choose violence towards God. I wasn't like, you know what, today, God, I'm bringing it to you. I just want you to know. No, they, like, I, was, no, I never had that thought. That wasn't in my processing at all, but, but there was something inside of me that was not yet surrendered to God. There were things, thoughts and actions inside of me that I had not yet given fully to God. And as I lived in this world, I had divided loyalty between what I wanted to give into in my flesh and between what God wanted me to give into to surrender to him, and it created problems. It's kind of just like in, in, in Revelation 3 where where, where Jesus is speaking of the church in Laodicea, and he refers to them as being a lukewarm church, which is neither hot nor cold. He says, I would prefer that you would be hot, but I would prefer that you would be either than being lukewarm. Because for me, lukewarm makes me want to vomit. It makes me want to spew you out of my mouth. And when we live with a divided loyalty between God and between the world, that's how we present ourselves before God. A Christianity which attempts to 
be friends with the world and with God will only ever be a religion that is dead to God and toxic to the world. And if we're honest, if we were to look at words and definitions, because, you know, words actually have meaning. They still do. Words still have definitions. If we were to look at that type of mentality, can we even really call it Christianity? Because Christianity, by definition, is someone who is being like Christ, who is pursuing after the life that Jesus lived in order to mirror, in order to, in order to imitate the life of Christ. And there's so much where I want to rabbit trail on that, but I can't. We just don't have time to right now. If we're going to be Christians, we gotta, we got to live like Jesus. And I know, I don't know about you, but I don't have the ability to do that on my own. So I need the power of the Holy Spirit. I need the grace of God when I come up short, which is, is more often than I want it to be. Um, I need the mercy of God. I need his love. I need his voice. I need his word. All those things work together to draw us closer to who God is. So here's, here's the thing that we got to talk about, because I know like our, our first, like, okay, well, what do we mean here? We're talking about friendship. We're talking about the world. Did, didn't, wasn't Jesus friends with sinners? Um, aren't, we, aren't we supposed to, to love our enemies? Aren't, and, and aren't we supposed to just love everybody and just wherever they are, we're supposed to love them where they are? And it's, let's get a couple of definitions. Is that okay? Let's talk about friends first. So in, in the scripture where it talks about being friends with the world or friendship with world, there's a word that James uses here that gives us a little bit clearer definition. It's this word philos. It's a Greek word, original language. That's what it was written in. But this is what that word means. It means to have love or affection for someone or something based on alignment or association. To love or to have affection for. This would be the same word that would be used in a best man standing next to a groom on his wedding day. Like you're not just going to, there are people that you may be like, yeah, I'm friends with them, but you wouldn't necessarily want them standing next to you on your wedding day. You wouldn't want to take them into battle in the closest moments where you need to know somebody has your back. So when James is talking about friendship with the world, he's not talking about acquaintance with the world. He's not even talking about acquaintance with people. He's talking about a love and an affection and an association with that which is opposed to God. It's a very, very big difference. So James is basically saying that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. More accurately in, tra- in the translation, it's saying that friendship with the world positions you as an enemy towards God. Because we have to understand that this is not, this is not a neutral friendship with the world that we're talking about, but it's a friendship that actually creates hostility towards the other party. So we're like, well, you know, I just, I want to be, be friends with everybody. Of course, I love God. Man, he's got a lot to offer. That whole heaven package is really, really good. Don't want to mess that up. But, man, I'm here, and I got these people. I've known them forever. I've grown up this whole, and we find ourselves in this tug of war. And I'm not even talking about a good tension that upholds truth. I'm talking about a tug of war between where, the, where God would try to draw us in and where the world is trying to keep us down. All right, so that, that's friendship, okay? We're not talking about somebody that you work with that you're like, yeah, hey, we're buddies, somebody that you grew up with, somebody that you're related to. We're talking about an association where you are aligning yourself with a mentality, a thought, a lifestyle, a philosophy that is in opposition to the kingdom of God. All right, so let's, now let, that's friendship, that's the friend thing. Now let's talk about the world. Uh, the, world the, the, the word that gets used here 
Um, in the original language is cosmos, talking about the world. Uh, what we're not talking about is um, the physical nature of, of the world. We're not talking about the ocean and the mountain and the plants and the stars and the planets and the sky. That's, we're not, God's not talking about that. Um, it's also not talking about um, individual people when we're talking about the world. It's uh, cosmos speaks to the world order which is uh, alienated from God. It talks about the principalities and the powers of darkness, which is scriptural, that are, that are at work in our culture, that are at work in our world, that when we are not surrendered to the Lord, our nature is drawn to that part of the world. <clears throat> Here's a couple of attributes of, of the cosmos that, that God is talking about that he wants us to not be friends with. Number one, the, the ruler of this world is the devil. I've got, I'm not going to go through these scriptures. If you want, you can write them down or take a picture or whatever, but um, this would be a great place for, for you to kind of do some Bible study on your own after this. The ruler of the world in which we're speaking of is the devil. Um, it says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's in 1 John 5, 19. Um, on the other hand, the Christian is not of this world. You see a couple of those bumper stickers around town, N-O. T.W., I had to think about that for a second. Not of this world and should not be, even though the Christian is in the world and a participant of his activities. Let's even tie that into where we are in our own nation. Like we are, we're not supposed to be Christians who are isolated and disconnected from the activities of where God has placed us. We are supposed to be Christians who are not of this world, but we're in this world and we are active through our Christianity in the world where God has placed us. That's huge. That's a whole other hot topic to talk about, and, and we'll, we'll get to it one day. But we got to understand, we're not of the world when we are in Christ, but we're still here. We're still in the world. That means we have a purpose. That means we have a mission. That means that God wants to do something in and through us to impact those who are still of the world that God loves and wants to save. <clears throat> the Christian is regarded as dead to the world, as, as laid out through these scriptures. The Christian is to be separated from this world. And remember, we got to continue to apply that proper context to the word world. Uh, friendship with this world is enmity towards God. Relationship with this world is an indicator of relationship with God. It says in 1 John 2, it says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Like, I, I hope that this comes across in a way that is making us think, that is making us ask ourselves questions because that's what God's looking for. He's looking for us to search our heart. He's looking for us to search our thoughts. He's looking for us to search how we post when we post. Can we be real? Are, are, we, are we just like, are we just like uh, vent posting? Are we just you know, re-quoting statements that somebody else made that actually don't make sense but it's gonna poke at somebody so we do it anyway? Or are we allowing ourselves to be a representative of the kingdom that we are aligned with? Are we allowing ourselves to have a voice that actually echoes the, the heart of God in the world in which we live? So the significance when we use this, this term world in the Bible is very clear. The world of mankind is estranged from God. But here's the cool thing. Jesus came so that it would be reconciled back to God. Like, like what, did, what did any of us do? to deserve God, to create some insane divine plan, to step into our world that he didn't mess up, we messed up, and present a plan that would offer himself as a sacrifice to pay for the atrocities that we have created so that we could be reconciled back to God. 
Man, I, I don't know about you. I don't have anything on my resume that God's like, you know what, I think I'll, I think I'll die for this guy. I think he's, uh, yeah, not too bad. We'll put him on the list. I don't think so. I'm here by the grace of God. You're here by the grace of God. God is so good, and that's what we get to see happen. <clears throat> but we do have, we have to understand that there is, there's no room to be in friendship slash alignment with the world and be friends in alignment with God. God will never agree to disagree with the world. The, the car that God drives around, I know that's terrible theology. The car that God drives around will never have a coexist sticker on it. If you have one, I love you. I'm not hating on you. I'm just trying to give you an idea of where God stands in the conversation. God is not looking to coexist. You know, Scripture tells us he's a jealous God. I've had people go off on me about that. But, like, what a jacked up God. I'm like, he's still God. So whether we understand how he is or not doesn't mean that we get the liberty to get to go at him. Uh, because at the end of the day, regardless of what I believe and who he is, he is who he is. And I will stand before him one day, and I want to do my best to be on the side of saying, I think I had it right, but I was following you. However I did that, right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm going for it. God is not going to compromise who he is in order to save the world. Does that make sense? Okay. For two of you, that made sense. I'm going to keep going anyway. All right. That's good. Yeah, no, thank you. No, we're, we're fine. I'm okay. Uh, friendship, <clears throat> friendship with the world um, that God is speaking of is all about alignment with, which, with that which is opposed to God. And so all of, all of the world has structure. The kingdom of God has structure. The kingdom of the world has structure. Like both, those are the two kingdoms where we, where we fit in. Like the kingdom of man, the kingdom of the world, the, uh, the kingdom of humanity, that would all be what we're talking about today. And then there's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just something that is in the distance far away. The kingdom of God is something that when Jesus came to earth, he actually established the kingdom of heaven here, and then through the church he has put it in our hands to extend the kingdom of heaven here on earth. As a matter of fact, without going too far into it to explode brains, what heaven is actually going to be is a restored earth, a new heavens and a new earth. We will get to be here we will get to be here in a completely redeemed and restored way. And so Jesus isn't like, well, just hang on, y'all, because eventually I'm going to take you somewhere else. He's like, no, I created this. I'm going to redeem this. I'm going to restore this, and my people are going to be a part of it. That's a big deal. <clears throat> All right, so this is what we got to understand is that there is, in both kingdoms, there's structure. In both kingdoms, there's borders. There's authority. There's leadership. There's law. There's language, verbiage, values, culture, and there's citizenship. Like that's a part of both worlds. Now, Scripture is clear to us that God has called his people to first and foremost be citizens of the kingdom of what? Heaven. That's citizenship number one. And then after that, where God has placed us on earth is where we are to be faithful and live our, our, our kingdom citizenship here on earth. We cannot and should not separate our citizenship on earth with our citizenship in heaven. And so much in our culture is trying to tell us and trying to shame Christianity and telling you that you can't, you know, you really shouldn't bring your Christianity into what you are in the world. I'm like, how is that even possible? You want me to rip my spirit out of my chest and then operate apart from who my identity really is? 
And that's where we're at. We cannot continue to allow Christianity in our nation and in the world to be something that is meant for another time and another place and another dimension while we live separate from that here on earth. God is saying, no, 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 no. The reason you're still here is because I'm trying to put my spirit inside of you so that who you are now will begin to make my kingdom known here on earth. And I know we run into challenges because I don't know about you, but my experience has not yet been that every time I try to bring the kingdom of God into a place where I know the kingdom of the world is at work, I'm, I'm not, I don't always get the, I don't always get the welcome mat in that conversation. I don't always get the open front door like, oh, here, here's a glass of sweet tea, come on in. <laughs> it's, it's not like it, like there, there's violence that takes place. And Jesus even tells us in his own words, like the very first time, I think, it's in, I think it's in Matthew 10, the very first time that he sent out his disciples two by two to go out and, hey, I've taught you some stuff, go try it out. He goes, but let me tell you a few things. The world hates me, so good news, the world's going to hate you too. I think he, he, he kind of like went there hard first, not like, you know, we've had some issues. So expect to maybe have a couple of runs. No, he said, the world hates me, and the world's going to hate you too. I'm like, well, what do we do with that? Well, for one, we don't allow ourselves to get too connected to what we're seeing online. Because not a whole lot of good conversations happen in the comment sections. <laughs> Let's be real. But we have to understand that when we operate out of the, the life and the citizenship and the loyalty that we have to God, there is going to be conflict when it comes into uh, contact with what exists in the world around us. <clears throat> Y'all doing okay? Happy Fourth of July. I don't, I don't know if I need to like shoot off a firework. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Trying to take y'all somewhere. I hope that's okay with you today. Um, so as 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 a Christian lives in the kingdom of this world, and then we live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven we will begin to position ourselves for God to do things through us. And don't be surprised if you find yourself being placed by God in, in situations of conflict or confrontation. It's not so that you can throw fists. It's so that you can actually have a place where your light will have a chance to shine. Like it's, how, how often do we, let's see if I can do this. How often do we, this is what we do, come to church. We're like, you know, we're like, we're like having like a, we're having like our own rave at church. We're like, light shine, light shine. And then we're like, oh wait, church is over. Let me look both ways. Okay. All right, let's go. It's clear. Lock the doors, you know. And then we put the light away. No, God is, God is trying to put a light inside of you. Not so we can come to church and be like, look at my light. You have a light? Oh, that's so cool. I have a light. What's your light look like? This is what my light looks like. Okay. Church's over. Let's turn it off. Can't let anybody see that light. Like, I grew up in children's church where we had some songs up in children's church. This little light of mine, I'm a little. Elizabeth, hop up. Never mind, I'm joking. Don't do that. <laughs> Hide it under a bushel. No. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, some of y'all weren't raised up in that, and you're looking at me like you're crazy, and that may be true. But, but there were, like, some beautiful values that were being preached through these, like, kids' church songs that we would sing, like, from a young age, we, even through, like, the, the fun nuances of these little songs with all the hand motions, and, and we had, like, the flannel graph boards, right, with, like, David and Goliath and stuck to the thing. Like, we learned things. Like, God was not putting a light inside of you so that we could cover it up and go into hiding. God's put something inside of you that people need, 
And people want to see, and we're going to have to, in our own relationship with God, we're going to have to wrestle with where we have not yet surrendered ourselves to the Lord. Because we're not going to change the world for God by giving the world half of Jesus and half of what they already have. It's not going to work. Christians who embrace social and sexual and political alignment with the world over scriptural alignment with God are friends of the world and enemies towards God. And again, I'm not saying that to throw fist. I'm saying that for us to get real. Come on, guys. We, we got we to stop this BS mess about how we're, I'm just trying to be relevant to who they are, to connect with them so I can pull them out. No, they're going to pull you in and trample on you. Believe it or not, even those that would be violently opposed to you, they still, because they are created in the image of God, have the seed of God in them that is crying to get out, and they are looking for someone who will lead them to a place of hope. They're not looking for somebody who's going to be just like they are. Why would they want to be like you, like, like a Christian who's just as broken as they are, just as addicted as they are, goes to all the same places that they go to, and has the same jacked-up life that they have? But come to church with me. Why, is that what that produces? I'm good at the bar. Like, I, I don't need it to go to church. I've got it in my own regular life. Now, there's got to be something inside of us that, that shines out for a world that is crying out for help, whose lives are lost, and they know it or they don't know it, but they know they need something. Christians with divided loyalties, listen to this. Listen, please give this, this one a chance to sink in. Christians with divided loyalties between God and the world are unstable. We got to think about this, guys. And, and no, I, I, I'm trying not to say all this without throwing out apologies because I don't need to apologize. I'm not insulting anybody. We're being confronted with the truth of God's word. Like the, what the kingdom of the world wants right now is not for you to not be unstable, but for you to continue to buy into all of their ways of maintaining your instability. Apply it to yourself as you need. Like, we're human. Let's be real. We're human. We got our brokenness. We don't have to search for it. It's, it's like, you know, included with the package. Like, we, we have our own instability built into us. The world says, hey, don't worry about it. That's just who you are. And if you take this pill, you'll be able to manage who you are. If you talk to this person who you don't know and you don't know what they're about or what their background is, you'll be able to manage your instability. Hey, it's not even your fault. It's not your fault. So you don't have to change. That's just a part of who you are. Meanwhile, Jesus shows up, knocks on the door, and he says, if anyone is in me, you are a new creation. A new creation. I grew up where he fixed everything with duct tape, right? And I always kind of, I don't know, I just, I never thought about it too much, but I think it had this mentality that, that God came in with my brokenness. He's like, I got you rips out his duct tape. <laughs> you're like, you're good to go. Like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for duct taping me back together. <laughs> and I don't know when it happened, but at some point in time, you know, there, sometimes you read scripture, you can read the same thing a million times. And that million and first time that you read it again, all of a sudden, poof, something pops out at you. And you're like, whoa. Whoa, wait, hold on. This has implication. Like, I'm not, like, I'm, I still, I think, I think I still have, like, the same skin. And, like, well, that's good because God doesn't work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. And when you look in the mirror, you may still see the same person that you wrestle with being. But when you give your life to Jesus, you are no longer that same person. 
Because what's happening is from the inside out, you are being transformed. And you're not being transformed because you're figuring it out. You're not being transformed because you're good enough, you're smart enough. No, you're being transformed when we humble ourselves before God. Because there is good news. We can, we can, it's very easy to preach the power of God's word and walk out of church depressed like, oh dear God. <laughs> well, we're jacked up. Dear Jesus, come quickly. Like, I still want that last part, dear Jesus, come quickly, but, but I don't wanna just accept the fact like, well, things are hard and there's division between the kingdom of God and the world, so let's suck it up, buttercup, do our best and hope for Jesus to come back soon. No, there's good news and his name is Jesus. The name that is above absolutely every other name. The name that was relevant before he was born in human flesh, the name that was relevant in his earthly ministry, and the name that 2,000 years later continues to be more relevant and powerful than any other name. And he showed up to redeem what was broken. He showed up to take the challenge head on. And yeah, Jesus hung out with sinners. As a matter of fact, he was always he was accused by religious people of being a drunk, of being a glutton, which he wasn't because that would violate his nature and his own law. But that was the accusation from the religious people because he was hanging out with those who were. He's, he, he hangs out with tax, you know, which bad, bad people, right? We're like tax collectors or whatever, IRS, got you, okay. Um, and, and notorious sinners, notorious, like he's hanging out with them. Like, so he must be just like them. And here's where we, this is where we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Because God is not calling Christians to purchase 50,000 acres in the middle of nowhere and pull away from the rest of the world and get our, our, our vegetation on and live on our own. Like, yeah, dude, go, go have your gardens. That's fantastic. But God is calling us to exist in the world, but not of the world. For some of you, there might be a period of time where there are people around you that you need to pull back from because the, the state of your spirit is very fragile and you need to be wise and you need to listen to people who are speaking in your life who, who have your best interests in mind. If you, are, if, you, if, you're, if you have struggled with alcohol addiction, I would not suggest that the bar is the best place for you to go evangelize. If pornography has been a struggle in your life, don't go evangelize at the strip club. I mean, it sounds like funny, but it's like common sense, right? It's like, but we don't think about those things. There, there are things, there, there are environments where we struggle, but we have this Christian thing in us that says we, we need to be around the people so they can get saved. So we put ourselves in harm's way, but we're not ready to sustain it. Here's a couple of things where we'll close right here. This is how we stay loyal in friendship with God. And this, a lot of this, there's scripture behind every single one of this, but James 4 ends this way. It says, daily humble your life before Christ. This is what I call surrender. Every, every day, every day you wake up, you gotta make a choice. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your choice to live surrender before the Lord, your choice to be who God says you can be. Battle and destroy spiritual enemies of this world. You gotta go to Ephesians chapter six. You gotta read through that. It's talking about putting on the full armor of God. Too many Christians are going out there trying to do battle for God, but they're not armed up and they're getting, they're getting destroyed because you're trying to do it on our own strength and intellect. Oppose authorities who champion the heart of this world. This is real. Because we, we have to recognize when you read Ephesians six and that last one, we realize that people are not the enemy. Like we don't battle flesh and blood. It may look like that at the surface from time to time, 
But just because people are not the enemy does not mean that we won't have to oppose people from time to time. I didn't expect a couple of amens on that one. Remove, this, this is, and this is important too, remove people from your life who say that they are Christians but live openly in friendship with the world. This is huge. Like Paul straight up says, he's like, don't even go to Starbucks with them. Like, get them out of your life. Notice he didn't say, get people who don't know God out of your life. Like, yeah, we gotta be wise about where we place ourselves, but you're not called to be a light to a light. You're called to be a light in darkness. Paul even says, like, of course I'm not talking about people that, are, that, that, that aren't Christians, because if that was the case, God would have to remove us from this world. Because I'm talking about the people who parade their Christianity, talk about their Christianity. Maybe they even serve faithfully, but everything in their life is in alignment and partnership with how the world lives. Scripture says you, you need to not be with them. We need to love our enemies. That's people at times. Here's the cool thing. It's like if, if, if being, a, being a friend of God makes us an enemy to the world, we're still good because Jesus says, that's okay if they're your enemy, love them anyway. We love our enemies. We pray for people who persecute us. And, uh, and that when we talk about loving our enemies, we're not talking about that, that alignment, friendship, partnership. It's not a love that accepts everything. It's not this love that's been lied to the world about to like, we just gotta, every, every way that everybody thinks they are is cool and love means that I accept you just the way that you are and expect nothing to change. No, that's not the love of God. God loved me. He, his love is irregardless of who we are. It's his nature. If he loved me in my sin, he loves me when I'm not walking in my sin, but his love is not an approval of my brokenness. The world wants you to love them in approval of their alignment with the world. God wants you to love the world out of alignment to God in a way that shines a light in the world around us. There's a huge difference there. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. Our, this, is where we, this is where we point the fingers at ourselves, guys. We ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts for any loyalty that's in this world. We surround ourselves with people who are friends of God much more than we surround ourselves with those who are enemies of God. And this, whether you are a parent or not a parent yet or hope to be a parent in the future or you've had kids that have grown up, maybe you're a grandparent, raise your, your children to love God and reject friendship with the world. And, and if, we, if you have children, we gotta we got stop making excuses. This isn't about how you were raised. God's, God never asked us to raise children the way that we were raised. Even if you had a great upbringing, God is asking us to raise children in the way that they should go according to scripture. Your children face challenges that you didn't face. So the way that you were raised isn't gonna do it for how they're, how they're being, what they're facing in this world. You gotta look at what your children are facing and you have to raise them in accordance with what they're facing so that they can know what it means to reject the world. There's a lot of young people, there's a whole new generation of people who are being raised up to be friends with the world and friends with God. And I'm telling you, youth ministries have never had the struggle that they have now because it's no longer bringing kids in and just teach them about Jesus. It's bringing kids in and deprogramming what they've been preached to in the world and then having to bring Jesus. And there's a conflict that's taking place because in the spirit of our young people, we're seeing this. Even into, even into younger children, there's a conflict taking place between what they have seen, what they have been demonstrated, what they have heard, and then what they are seeing and, and being told 
in church. And I know there's always been the divide, but I'm telling you, it's different now. It's different now. The things that maybe you dealt with when you were 18 are being dealt with when kids are 10. The stuff that you dealt with when you were 11, 12 years old, kids are dealing with when they're three and four years old. Like it's different now. We can't, we can't just sit back and hope for the best. We have to be on the front lines aggressive about raising up this next generation of Jesus followers. And we will give an account to God for how we did or did not do it. There's, there, there's no like, well, you know, I just, I tried to be a good example and hope that they would choose right. Well, yeah, eventually, eventually, children will have to choose. Eventually, they will have to eventually make their own decisions. But there's a big season of time where we have a responsibility with our kids to point them in a direction that their flesh might not want. And eventually they'll have to choose whether they're gonna go in that direction or not. But by the grace of God, we're gonna fight for the next generation. And we're gonna make sure that they didn't grow up in, in a church that, that compromised the reality of God, that tried to be camouflaged Christians in the world around us so that we could grow big churches. And I'm not against big churches, but it better be because it's a move of God and because people are encountering the presence of God. I hear it all the time here, man, I just, I like this church because it's a small church. I'm like, well, don't get comfortable. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what the timeline is. I don't know what God's gonna do, but this is, this is our heart here at Convo Church. We're not done until everybody knows Jesus. We're not done. And so that means this place ain't gonna last for much longer. And that means that we're, might, we're gonna need more people to serve because we might need more services. And that, that means that, that what has been a comfortable place for you might not be comfortable much longer because instead of chilling at church, we're gonna need you engaged, active at church. And it's not because, you know, that's, we're just trying to get something from you. No, it's because we're trying to prepare this place to be that supernatural hospital that God has said that it's gonna be, to take care of the people who are gonna come in, who are broken, who are lost and are hurting. And here's the cool thing. This is the prophetic. This is where, and this is the prophetic word, the picture that God showed me of our church. And uh, and it sounds really cool, but when I think about it, it kind of scares the mess out of me, um, in a good way. God has said this is going to be a hospital where people. Here's the thing. Like, any, anybody here like working in an ER have worked in the ER before? Like, I I've, I try to avoid it. And my, I'm, I don't I don't work there, but I try to avoid it personally. <laughs> Like I don't, because anytime you go there, it's, just, it's chaos, right? Why? Because the, it's, it's not a place where people who are going for opinions go. It's people who are in an emergency situation. And God says, that's what I've called the church to be. Because our, our world is living in a state of emergency when it comes to their spiritual state. And if we do things the way that, that God tells us to do it, they, they will come. They'll come because you bring them. They'll come because they're drawn. They'll come because the grace of God is working in ways that, that we don't even know. And we've got to be prepared, not with all the answers. Like, take the pressure off of yourself. But we've got to be ready to respond. We've got to be ready to love. We've got to be ready to serve. We've got to be ready to connect with people that we are uncomfortable with, that don't act like us. That's very generic because we're all different in this room. I love that. They may, not, they may not smell like you. They may not talk like you. They may not act like you. They may not live like you, but they're showing up. And if they're showing up, we gotta be a steward of that. And listen, I know, I know most of you may feel like, I'm, I'm not ready. I, I don't know, pastor, I'm not ready yet. Just give me a little bit more time. I'm not gonna pressure nobody. But I am gonna continue to ask our church to step up and respond to the call to trust God with what he's putting in our hands. He'll take care of the rest. God's pretty good at that. He's got a good track record. But listen, church, I wanna, I wanna pray for you today and listen. 
Um, we should wrestle with this all the time. I, I'm personally, I don't know what you think my expectation of myself is on this topic, but for me, like, I'm pushing myself to wrestle with this every single day. God, what, what is in me that you don't want in me? What is there, like, when I, maybe in a certain situation where, like, I lash out or I react in a way where I'm like, huh, <laughs> I, I don't think that was Jesus. <laughs> Be like, okay, God, what, what, what do you got to do? What do you got to take out? What do you got to work with? Let's be, let's be open to that. Let's be surrendered before that. Let's stay teachable. Let's stay humble. Let's stay surrendered before the Lord. And I'm telling you, we, we, we won't continue to look like the same thing that the world looks like. And we also won't look like a religious version that's out pointing its finger at the world. That's not, that's not gonna help anybody. But we're gonna look like a place where people say, hey, that, that might be what I need. And when we get them in here, whether it's in your living room, whether it's at a coffee table with you, whether it's here in this church, just let Jesus come through. Let that light shine. It's not gonna be you. It's gonna be the Holy Spirit working through you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we continue to be humbled and grateful that you have seen fit for us to live in a nation that has the freedom and the ability to do the things that you would call us to do. Not everybody has that. Lord, we know it's not perfect, but there, there is no perfect spot other than your presence. So we continue to strive by your grace to become the men and women that you've called us to be, that you say we can be, that you've created us to be. We continue to wrestle with those things inside of us, God, that are not aligned with you. And we thank you that even on our worst days, <clears throat> God, you're still faithful. You still love us. You still smile. You're still our Father. And we ask that by your grace, you would continue to do that, sanctif uh, that sanctification process inside of us. She would continue to transform us from the inside out. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Convo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Convo Church Podcast.